Welcome to Asia Rising, a podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Japan is one of many countries faced with an aging population, although the problem is more pronounced. The world's lowest fertility rate, combined with a high life expectancy, gives it the oldest mean age in the world of 46.1, tied with Germany. A third of the population is aged over 60 and the number of people living in the country is falling. Here to discuss Japan's growing population is Aizawa Nobuhiro. As well as being a venerable spring chicken, he is an associate professor at the Center for Asia-Pacific Future Studies at Kyushu University. Thank you for joining me, Nobu. Thank you very much for inviting. Do you know what a spring chicken is? No, what is that? It's, it's just kind of a bit of a slang for a relatively young person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you give me a bit of an impression about what it's like in Japan at the moment? How does an aging population play out? Yes, um, that's one of our biggest questions. And I think we are looking at different Japan as we used to have. And uh, it's not necessarily all gray. Mm. Um, there's two things going on. One thing is the gray hair is activating, reactivating too. So I think as our administration said, our like life cycle design is now very much changing. Mm. We may not reach to the point, as the government says, a hundred year life cycle plan. So formerly 60 year old, you're gray hair, you're retired. Yeah. That was the model of a gray hair. But now, people are encouraged to work mm. after 60 years old or 65 years old. And these people are reactivating and they're filling into new roles. So I think the grayness could be a different image of what it used to be. You know, it was used to be a population onus, but it could be a silver bonus. So I think that's maybe the only way the Japan could maintain their dynamics. Uh, we don't have to necessarily think the aging society as a hindrance. The other thing is that because of this aging society, a lot of business sector is changing its structure. For, I'll give you an example. Mm. Uh, for example, agriculture sector was very much the silver industry in Japan. It's very difficult to find those who take the baton from their older generation. Mm. So they redesigning what exactly agriculture is. And I think that comes from a very young generation of the 20s and 30s. And these ideas are really changing the kind of agriculture understanding of Japanese economy. And also some another episode I could give you is uh, like the sake brewing. Sake brewing was very much a seasonal work for a rice farmer. So when rice is harvested, in mid-autumn, they switched as a sake brewer. Mm. But because the population of rice grower is going down, it automatically means that the sake brewing technique also goes down. Oh, that's a crime. That shouldn't happen. Yeah, that should happen. <laughs> so the new thing is the new generation with their new biological technology, mm. they're taking over those sake brewery systems. So if you go to Japan right now, you'll see a number of varieties of sake never been available in 30 years before. And this is all because of the population crisis, but that vacuum created a new opportunity for the younger generation. So we see all these kind of things. So we're at least at this point, 
not that pessimistic about the aging society. There are signs of goodness of mm. this, yeah. So can you explain the current situation that Japan is in then? What is the reality of the aging population? The reality of the aging population, so you mentioned like one out of uh, five is already in the aging society. Mm. And I think that will force the kind of... Uh, the social arrangement, especially like how you take care of the healthcare, is going to change. And now, the social reality is that those who care the elderly is also aging as well. It's the care between the age society, and that's going to be a, a big struggle because they get all the social responsibility when they are no longer capable financially. Mm. Right. So I think that is the kind of. Uh, difficulty. The worry is that people would start to run away from the system because what you see ahead is what your parents are facing. And if you think you don't want to face the same thing as your parents are facing, mm. the other option is you just migrate to some other countries or maybe you don't want to get married to have a family like your parents did. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of negative signs. But I think it, we, we really need to wait for maybe another 10, 15 years how much Japanese population relies on the social security system in Japan. The reality is that the more you lose the trust of sustainability of the system, you will find an alternative for your future life. The current plan is you rely on public system. But if you cannot rely on public system, maybe you go on relying the traditional way, which is family. Mm -hmm. maybe people start having children because in the end, it's the family that matters. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very interesting point that Japan is going to be in the coming maybe five years or 10 years. I mean, how do the younger generation see the future of this aging society? Your question is right on the point, you know. Mm. In what way the reality is portrayed in Japan? Is it a very you know, negative thing or is it a... In a positive opportunity, I think that's that's going to change a lot. Is the government relying on that kind of scenario, though, that the onus will be on the children to look after their parents as they age? Is that the fallback plan? Because I imagine an aging population is going to figure into most decisions that come out of the government. If there's a policy change around economy, simply for the fact that such a large population who are aging is a key demographic of voters. So you want to appeal to those people sure, as well. Sure, sure. How much consideration does the age population get? It must be quite a factor. It is a huge factor, as you rightly said. You know, um, Politically speaking, yeah. you really have to attract those aging votes. And that's the key to cement your political career. So, But the other hand is like, there are many aging people who feel for the next generation as well. So they don't want to be a burden. Yes. So they will support the policy that will invest on the new generation. All right. Because yeah. I think that is the main identity. You know, you, you know how, how burdensome your parents could be. Mm. And you're looking at your children that you yourself might be the burden, the hindrance of their professional career. And in many cases, the more you're healthy in your 60s and 70s, you're conscious enough that you don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. Actually, that kind of voting pattern did occur when the DPJ won 
Yeah, that was the, the landslide period. There were many studies at that time, you know, child care, you know, programs of DPJ really attracted those aged voters because they were thought that's the right thing to do for the future generation. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily come to the aging society, I mean, the age generation. And I think the Abe administration also knows that. And so they had this tax exemption as a gift from an elder generation to the younger generation if it is on education purpose. Right. So I think... The challenge is not just to court the age society, but how to give incentive to have that asset that the age society has into the new generation. Mm. As you know, Japan has a strong inheritance tax, but the way that you can redistribute among generation is this kind of incentive, you know, paying your money for your children's generation. Mm -hmm. And that is very much encouraged. And if that policy is well understood, I think they will give more support both from the younger generation and from the age society. So what does this do then to questions around labor and the workforce? Mm -hmm. In one aspect, you're going to have a shrinking workforce as your population gets older, which is why you encourage people to stay at their job for longer But then you get problems like you need specialized care, you need health care, you need an increase in certain industries, and you get the challenge of things like career progression. If the older people are still occupying the jobs, they are going to have the higher paying jobs because they've been around longer, especially if you're in professional industries. What can you tell me about those kind of pressures? I think that is going to be a big issue in the coming years ahead. Currently, the biggest challenge is there's two contradicting policies that Japan has. So shortage of labor force, the solution was to promote more women in the labor market. Mm -hmm. That was one of the biggest policy. But at the same time, the policy was to raise the childbirth rate as well, right? So all the work is going to women in the 20s and 30s, right? They're encouraged to work. They're encouraged to give birth mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's the two main policy. However, if you want to do this and if you want to sustain this, there had to be much more social understanding and support onto those mothers, right? Mothers who's starting their motherhood and starting their career. So I think that is going to be the main thing that Japan really needs to change. Um, More than how much whether your elderly is keeping their position or not. It's more to encourage, to more to sustain. There has to have a social consensus. Mm. This is a public thing, you know, this is a public responsibility. Meaning you have to have more childcare system rules that mothers can return to their positions in a more secured way. Mm. That culture was not as strong as we wished to be because of the tension of these policies and that tension that's frustrating the, the young women. I think now the Japanese have understood how important it is and how critical it is. Yeah. And I think every election in Japan, be it the national election or local election, you really need to address how are you going to better the childcare system in your constituency? Yeah. So I think this is the direction, uh, what you have to do. You've got a family. Did you feel properly supported by the government when you were having children? Did you feel properly incentivized, maybe? Definitely not. No? Definitely not. 
there's small things, but definitely yeah. not in a assured way. So I very much understand why my generation is not favor of having two or more children. We really needed to pick. We really couldn't have both. We had to make a hard choice. Yeah. And not many people are happy to make a hard choice because it is hard. How is, uh, say, something like the labor shortages and the population problem, how is that playing out internationally when it comes to foreign policy? Because if you need more workers, well, the obvious thing would be to try and attract them from overseas. But in Japan, it's not that easy, is it? Absolutely. I think it's changing yeah. because uh, I think it's do or die choice. So I think there is no choice to be as tight as it was in Japan for a long time. But I think it's the sequence that matters. Right now, Japan has changed to liberalize a lot on uh, high-skilled workers. Take, for example, like um, a lot of Indians and Vietnamese are the growing incoming migrants to right. Japan. Yeah. A lot of them occupy the ICT sector. Especially the Indians are very, very positive for Japan. And this is well publicly known. And that really reduces the kind of classic skepticism about migration. I think that will smoothen out the politics yeah. that has all the xenophobic grouping, you know, always barking. Because we experience that with China and Korea, right? We already have a lot of Chinese citizens in Japan or Korean citizens in Japan. But we weren't really careful about the social tension. It's very difficult to erase that image. You know, Chinese, of course, there are so many types of Chinese, you know, but the kind of political image that Chinese could cause trouble in the society mm -hmm. is very difficult to erase. So if you have a migration policy that opens up to the Chinese, you have political baggage that always go against it, right? But if it is about the Indians and the Vietnamese, because the government has been done very careful steps, I think it's, it's a good start. Um, mm. And I think if that succeeds... There will be a lot of other cases too. We did a lot of mismanagement with not just the Chinese and the Koreans, but also with the Philippines and Indonesians too. Mm. So um, we learned the hard way from that lesson. But I think because there is no choice but to open up the immigration system, it is a matter of how we do it. And the gradual steps that we're taking with the Indians and Vietnamese are pretty much the way the Japanese could be doing. Isn't the government's stance, though, that there will be no policy changes when it comes to immigration to try and rectify the population problems in Japan, that changing the policy won't be a priority? The careful line is that we wouldn't open the political rights. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's another threshold for the new migrants to be eligible for voting. But at least, uh, you know, all the permanent residency and et cetera, I think those rules are changing. The one thing that not many people know is that in Japan, if you are a resident, you're qualified to get public health services mm -hmm. and public education in the same level as the Japanese nationals. So if health and education is the issue for new migrants, you don't really have to be a national. The thing you really need to be a permanent resident or so is that it's related to the job condition, right? You have to always employed to be able to extend your 
you know, residency. I mean, those are the conditions that ties. But you can't be sick and recover. That part, you don't have to make a drastic change. So that's not a political issue. I think the political issue is really with the job market. And that's why I, I stressed about the Indian and Vietnamese case, because if one precedent is successful, it's very easy for the next one mm-hmm. to follow through. How else is the aging population, in your view, influencing foreign policy in Japan? Oh, foreign policy, yes. One thing is that there is also a growing consensus that Japan cannot live on its own. Defining national interest in the national territorial zone is senseless. So you need to be in good terms with your neighbors. So certain islands, maybe. Between Japan and China, that's a tough issue because territory issue and <laughs> territory issue is pretty hard to make a solution mm. because it's very much a zero sum game. The game is very difficult, but I think the consensus of Japan is, even though you have all these territorial issues or, or border issues, you you still cannot survive like what U.S. or China does. So you can't just demonize trade. Mm-hmm. You cannot politically. Define investment as a security issue.、Um, I think Japan really has to live in a liberal order, especially in an economic sense. The TPP was very much pushed strongly in Japan. I think that comes from the aging society too. I mean, if you have a growing capital, growing population in in Japan, maybe Japan had thought the time is on your side, but. I think the fundamental understanding of the time is on the other side.、Mm-hmm. You really need to step up to maintain the kind of liberal order; otherwise, you'll be choked. And therefore, you know, we don't see the kind of TPP objection like we used to had at the current stage. So, Japanese new professionals are working abroad because Japanese small and medium companies are. Surviving abroad as well—it's not just cheap; it's the expertise that they're looking.、For. That's the kind of、uh, you know dynamic, and the Japanese now, especially like my student generation, knows that.、Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just、uh, competing among the Japanese; they're competing with their peers in the other parts of Asia as well. They also know that the first job choice is not necessarily is in Japan, but also it could be in other parts of Asia as well, and that's much more common than it was used to be.、Mm. Definitely, the aging society is changing the mindset of the young generation, and because of that future, I think Japan has to design the foreign policy that meets the demand of the younger generation to be able to work, you know, as comfortable as it is in Japan. And also to let the companies thrive in other countries. I'll give you one example. Like in Thailand, Thailand is one of the biggest business clusters of Japanese companies、mm. outside Japan. You know, when there was big tsunami or big political changes, these Japanese in Thailand had a strong political voice. What should Japanese government should do? So there was a coup in Thailand. Yes, 2014. 2014. In principle, Japanese will condemn the Thai government. This is not a constitutional change、mm. of power. Okay, will Japan do so? Japan had to be really cautious because if you do that too much, what will happen to the Japanese community in Thailand? Yeah, yeah. 
So you need to keep the region friendly to a Japanese future generation to be living, working. And I think that is the big change right now. So as somebody living in Japan, in, in Fukuoka, are you concerned about the country's ability to deal with an aging population, to care for them, to house them, to adapt to what this needs? It's impacting so many different industries and layers. Are you concerned yourself about how Japan's coping with this? Absolutely. It's a very difficult point when I say Japan, which part of Japan am I concerned with? Is it the Japanese central government or the local government or the community or the society? It's all of it, isn't it? It's all of it, yes. But at the same time, there are like interesting signs too. Like you mentioned, I'm from Fukuoka. Fukuoka city is the city where highest population growth in Japan. It's Mm. still like growing like 3% or so, um, which is very, very different from the overall Japan. And especially Fukuoka is attracting a lot of uh, young female professionals, which is very, very significantly interesting. Mm. Since the concern is shared now, like our university also, any research that do with aging society has a priority with the financing and the budgeting as well. When there's a crisis, we are optimistic there will be a solution. (laughs) But of course, the crisis is there. Is there enough solution so far? Not yet. All right. Nobu, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you very much. That's all the time we have today for the Asia Rising podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow Latrobe Asia on Twitter. We're at Latrobe Asia. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening.